It was weeks ago that Andreas texted me and asked if I would speak this last Sabbath of spring break. And at that point, we had no idea that it would look like this. And so in the weeks between then and now, somewhat in conversation with Andreas, certainly in conversation with the Lord, I have been asking, what would a word from the Lord sound like at this moment? Was it, what is it that would be helpful for us to hear in a time of disruption, in a time when everything seems to be abnormal? And I so appreciated our children's story today and the reminder that there are many, many stories of disruption and many stories of God stepping in and being present in the middle of disruption. Surprisingly, the one that bubbled to the surface was actually the Christmas story. And you may have considered some of these disruptive elements of the Christmas story before. Maybe not. When we sing Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, not so much. It was not necessarily such a quiet, calm time, certainly not for Joseph and Mary. And what I'd like to consider with you for the next few minutes is the Christmas story from the perspective of Joseph and Mary, the moment that Mary realizes that she is pregnant until just after they come back from Egypt where they have been displaced disrupted as refugees. And how was God present in the middle of all of that disruption? The story starts in the book of Matthew and with chapter 1 and verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name of Jesus. Disruption is tough. Just ask Joseph. At the time that Joseph learns of Mary's pregnancy, she's probably already three months pregnant. 
beginning to show possibly. Disruption is tough. And Joseph never expected in his wildest dreams that this is the direction his life would go. Certainly not with Mary. Emotionally, he feels betrayed. He doesn't know what to make of Mary. Her story makes no sense. And he is about to divorce her. And of course, in the first century way in Judaism, the engagements worked. The only way to break off a divorce or way to break off an engagement was with divorce. But he wanted to do it in the least painful way possible for Mary. And so he wants to do it as quietly and privately as possible. This is emotionally disruptive. It's relationally disruptive. And it's even spiritually disruptive. I would imagine that Joseph is asking questions of God. I thought that you had blessed this union. I thought you had led me to Mary. I thought you had been leading. Why this now? Joseph is a righteous man. He wants to do what is right by Mary. He wants to do what is right by God. And he seems to be at odds. His spiritual life is thrown into confusion. And Joseph is disrupted emotionally, relationally, spiritually. And then an angel speaks to him in a dream. And how many of us are used to just on a dime stopping and saying, oh, I'm going to go exactly the opposite direction of everything I've just been thinking. More disruption. He had been forming a plan. It was making sense. It seemed like, well, I'm making the best of a bad situation. Let's go this direction. And instead, now he suddenly has to change again. His life is disrupted again with the angel's message. And so he woke up and he took what the angel had told him and he married Mary. But he had no union with her. And so for the first few months of their marriage, for probably a variety of reasons, cultural, but also spiritual, he did not consummate their marriage. More relational disruption in the life of this young couple. Now we're actually getting ahead of our story here because I mentioned that this very likely happened three months after Mary gets the news. So turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 and hear the story from Mary's perspective that takes place a few months earlier. And it starts this way in Luke chapter 1 verse 26. In the sixth month, and the sixth month is reference to the story that has just come before this of Elizabeth's pregnancy, a relative of Mary, and Elizabeth is miraculously pregnant, and she's in her sixth month. So that's the time marker here. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at this at his words, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. At that, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Fast forward now six months, verse 57. When it came time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son, John the Baptist. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. Verse 56, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Because she left in such a hurry, it is... My best guess and the best guess of a number of scholars that very likely Joseph did not get the word that we read in Matthew 1 until after this event. So Mary has been living with this for about three months and she's been at a distance and Joseph doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know why she left in such a hurry and now when she's back she has this strange story and can you put yourself in Joseph's shoes and say, yeah, you've been gone three months and now you're pregnant. What am I to expect, Mary? What am I to say? And you're telling me this is a miraculous baby? Couldn't you have come up with something better than that? Very disruptive. And Mary suffers the disruption of distrust. And both of them realize that once they have each other's trust, now they have no one else's trust. Because everybody, even into Jesus' adult life, will question this pregnancy. Into Jesus' life later, some of his enemies will say to him, yeah, well, at least we're not illegitimate. This tracked with Joseph and Mary and even with Jesus for years. And so the disruption in their lives was real and long-lasting. And... Disruption is tough. Well, you know how the story goes on. If you drop on down to chapter 2, probably the most familiar part of the Christmas story is here in Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, 
She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was new room for them in the inn. When my wife and I were expecting our first child, I had a dream. Not quite as significant as Joseph's dream, but it was the dream of a anxious, expecting father. And in the morning I said, Lorraine, I, I dreamt that our baby was born in a gas station bathroom. And she said, her first question to me was, was it the men's or the women's? And I thought for a second and I said, it was the men's. And she said, oh, gross. That has stuck in my mind when I read the Christmas story because Mary never expected to give birth to her first child in a gas station bathroom or a stable. And if she had heard that a few months earlier, she probably would have said, oh, gross. And yet, that was part of the disruption. It wasn't just losing the convenience and the comfort of giving birth in one's home, in one's hometown, but think of the disconnection. Birth was a time when the midwife, probably a relative, aunts, sisters, grandmas, mother, all of these people around who are supporting in this birth process, somebody right there with you, and instead all she had was Joseph, who hadn't even been able to get them a room. Now, I don't know what sort of blame was going on. I I hope it didn't get too bad. And this, again, pardon me, brings another birth story of our second child. When, When our second son was born, we made it to the hospital in plenty of time. All of our children kept us up all night, all three of them. We got there in plenty of time. We're getting settled in. And this was... 1986, before digital cameras. And I am the incessant photographer that has to have everything documented. If it doesn't get photographed, it didn't happen. And I discovered I only had about two shots left on the roll of film that was in my camera. And so what am I doing at two in the morning, but running around trying to find some place that is open where I can buy film, because if I don't photograph this thing, this son was never born. And I remember racing around Sacramento, trying to find some place, and this is also the days before big Walmarts, 24 hours. I finally found a little convenience store and paid an arm and leg for a roll of film and rushed back to the hospital, fortunately did not miss the birth of our second son. But again, I just think of the tension that I was feeling there and probably the the lack of judgment to be making this decision that I would go out looking for film at this time. And I I don't know what's going on with Joseph and Mary here. Is Mary saying, Joseph, is is this really, I mean, you didn't plan ahead? You don't have some relatives we could stay with? Whatever is going on, at the very least, it's disruptive. And the disruption of the lack of connection, the lack of comfort, the lack of convenience, for Mary in particular. And the story goes on. Verse 8. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they'd been told. We make Christmas cards and manger scenes out of this. But again, put yourself in Mary's shoes. Anybody who has been alongside a mother who has just gone through labor and now has a newborn, the last thing in the world that she wants is a bunch of gawking strangers bursting in with all kinds of babble. And again, I'm thinking of stories. I'll I'll hold back on that story. And yet that's exactly what Mary has. More disruption. For Mary, there's a loss of privacy, a loss of control, and even loss of security, which we'll look at again in just a moment. Mary is losing. She, is, she has no idea. Nine months earlier, when she had said to the angel of Gabriel, I am the Lord's servant. Let it happen to me as you say. Yes, that was the right response to make in the moment. But she had no idea what she was signing up for. She is signing up for inconvenience, loss of comfort, loss of connection, loss of privacy, loss of control, loss of security, distrust, suspicion, a cloud hanging over her head for the rest of her life. Mary is signing up for disruption for the rest of her life. She has no idea. But it's just beginning. And the Christmas story is only hours old. And so these shepherds come crowding in, and they are asking, we want to see the baby. And Mary's response is to treasure these things and ponder them in her heart. Disruption is tough, but it gets just one level tougher. Go back to the book of Matthew. Matthew's story continues with the Magi, and we won't read the entire story, but you remember the Magi set off a train of events that causes Herod 
to be so jealous that he is ready to murder all the babies in that region. And so we see in verse 13 of Matthew 2, when they, the Magi, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Just let that sink in for a moment. Your baby has been born in very disruptive circumstances. And now, before you even have a chance to catch your breath, somebody is out to kill your baby. And I do have one more child story, birth story. We have three children, and I've told you about our two boys. Well, when our third, our daughter, was born, Apparently, June 13, 1989, in Sacramento, was a boom for babies. And we walked into the maternity ward, and the nurse literally groaned and said, Oh, no, not another. That's not the way you want to be greeted when you walk into the maternity ward. Make a long story short, Everything was in a panic and a frenzy with people running here and there trying to care for all the different women who were giving birth. And I was standing back trying to take it all in. I had enough film in my camera, so I was not going anywhere. And when Lorraine was ready to give birth to our daughter, she said to the nurse, she said, get the doctor. And the nurse said, no, there's none available. Hold on. Well, what sort of a thing is that to say to a woman who knows this is her third child and she's ready to give birth? At any rate, long story short. There was so much frenzy and panic going on and unfortunately one of the nurses acted in a very unprofessional way. She went screaming down the hall saying, we need a doctor, we need a doctor. Again, that doesn't necessarily calm a, a nervous dad. And when he came in, he said, just let me get scratched. But she said, no, get some gloves on. This whole sense of panic was just building. And in the pictures, which I took with the film that I did have in my camera, you can see the doctor's not in scrubs, but does have gloves on. You can see his red sweatshirt beneath the gloves. And probably I had been conditioned by the sense of panic because Elizabeth looked blue and much bluer than our boys had looked when they were born. And I was sure she was dead. And I thought, after all of this, we've got a stillborn. And she didn't cry right away. And there I was looking at this silent blue baby. And for about 30 seconds, my heart stopped. And I was absolutely petrified. That's as close as I can come to the feeling of what's going on here when the angel says, get out of here! Somebody's going to kill your baby! Disruption. So he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. 
in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up! Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. And so he got up. He took the child and his mother and he went out to the land of, he went out of the land of, he went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew the, to the district of Galilee and he went and he lived in a town called Nazareth. Danger, displacement, disconnection, disruption. The Christmas story is rife with disruption in all of its forms from the more mundane to the life-threatening. You may have felt some of the emotions and identified with some of the emotions that Joseph and Mary must have felt during these several years. What about Jesus himself? It's one thing for Joseph and Mary to experience this. Jesus knowingly stepped into it. They didn't even know exactly what they were stepping into. Jesus did. Just in closing, I want to point your attention to Jesus himself. You may have never noticed this before. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 and verse 5, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, when Christ came into the world. I'd like you to just imagine, this is probably the moment that Gabriel is speaking to Mary. Just seconds before Mary says, I am the Lord's servant, let it happen to me, as you say. And just before this, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. Mary is about to say, here I am. Jesus says it about the same time in heaven. Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. Jesus knows everything from Bethlehem and the manger to Calvary and the cross. It's all laid out. And he sees the disruption to his own life. And then he said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. It's not just Joseph and Mary. It's Jesus himself. Disruption is tough. But love is tougher. Disruption is tough, but love is tougher. We acknowledge this at every wedding when we hear the bride and the groom saying, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. They are saying, disruption is tough, but love is tougher. And the message of the Christmas story is what we've always known it to be. The disruption of sin is tough. The disruption of hatred is tough. The disruption of everything that comes into our life is tough. 
But love is tougher. And what that cost Jesus himself is the toughness of stepping into our world and becoming Emmanuel, God with us. God's presence, it's there. You could go back to that story and see all the moments from the gift of the Magi that funds their trip to Egypt to the song of the angels that Mary ponders in her heart and tries to make sense out of that along with the manger, the public restroom. And as she ponders that all, as they take the gift, God's presence is there in the middle of all of this disruption. And God's presence is with us in the middle of all the disruption. When I was two years old, my dad had his life disrupted in an instant in order to protect me. We were driving one of those big old 1950s cars that weighs several tons. I jumped out of one side, he out of the other, walked in front of the car, which was on a sloping driveway that was just a few feet away from our house. The brake on the car let loose, and the car started rolling toward this vulnerable little blonde-headed two-year-old that was toddling toward the house. And what parents do, what most parents do, is instinctively act to protect their children. And my dad immediately threw himself between that car and me, put his hands against the house, and I'm not kidding you, that car crashed through the house, mowing both him and me down, with my face hitting the concrete, breaking my ribs, breaking my nose, blood coming out of my ears. But as bad as that was, my dad was hurt worse. And his life was disrupted for some time as a result of what he had done. Dads do that. Parents do that. Disruption is tough, but love is tougher. And what my dad did to save my life is nothing compared to the disruption that Jesus did to his own quite comfortable life in heaven in order to save us. Disruption is tough. Love is tougher. We're being called in these months to love our neighbors, to let our lives be disrupted, to demonstrate the love of Jesus to people around us by the actions that we take. This is a moment for us to say, yes, disruption is tough, but love is tougher.